0: I was reflecting on this past week, and just what a um, what a long, hard week. Matter of fact, in our in our elder slack, Stacy Martin was just reflecting on just what a difficult week it had been, and um, with obviously the wallpaper in the room being still a pandemic, and and trying to figure that out, more people losing jobs. Um, uh, Obviously, the shooting of Ahmad coming, um, going viral, and the realization that up until just a couple of days ago, his murderers had, had not been um, arrested, uh, a, a well-known pastor that probably even a few of you have had um, some kind of connection with committing suicide, taking his life. And just the heaviness of the week, like as if the weeks were already heavy. And um, so I've been reflecting on that, just the weightiness of, of life. And with gratitude, because I look out the window and I can't remember a nicer spring in Memphis in all my 10 years here. I mean, this is, it's been such a contrast of the interior and the exterior for me. Like the interior of me is just it's weighty, it's a lot, and the exterior is there's a relief and as I was thinking through that and then even thinking about this passage, uh, you know the context more than likely for this passage is David's writing this psalm while hiding in a cave somewhere more than likely that's the that's the setting, uh, and that's what other scholars and commentators would would say as well that David's on the run from Saul Saul sees that David is the next anointed king by God and he doesn't want him to be the king and so he set out to, to kill them and for other reasons so David's on the run he goes from this kind of golden boy there in Israel that everyone loved to now this hunted man and Um, as he's moving place to place, hiding cave to cave, you have to wonder how much, um, frustration, fear, loneliness, um, even outright rage was building up in him along the way. The, the Psalms itself, especially something, a Psalm like this, there's something very visceral about it, how it, how it reads, um, And I was just thinking about what he was having to walk through by writing this psalm and what maybe many of us are having to walk through our face right now and just wanted to give just a few reflections on this. Um, And so the first reflection that I have would be from the, the first few verses here where it says, And you, Lord, I have taken refuge. I will never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear and come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and refuge, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me. And um, I was just, I was thinking about how demanding this psalm sounds. You know, there's a tone you can read things, but, uh, and you're like, oh, maybe he's just kind of being really nice and reaching out to God, but he sounds very demanding to me here. He doesn't. He doesn't come across like God. If you got time, if you if you think about me and what I'm going through, I'd really appreciate it. You know, like I I see him pacing around in this cave, that is a cage for him, and just ticked, p.o'd, frustrated. Life's a lot, and him being basically demanding. He's speaking very directly to God here. He's not. He's not sugarcoating anything that he wants from God. He's being very clear and direct. Here's what I want. These are my demands. Do this. Because of these things that you say that you are, do these things. And as I was thinking about even how uncomfortable I was, I mean, like, it's uncomfortable thinking about being that demanding with someone. And, and you know, obviously, I know for me, you're like, it's not hard for you to be demanding, Robin. Like, you just come Cross demanding, it can be very hard to still be demanding. I, it's not like I just go, oh yay, maybe be demanding today, you know. And and I'm grateful I'm not as demanding anymore like used to be. I used to be very demanding of people to not talk in movie theaters, um, like pre COVID nineteen. Like if I went to movie theater, I used to tell people to be quiet, and um, I, I think I made like twelve year old girls cry one time. I did that. I think I threatened them to get them thrown out. I don't know. That may have not been me, but regardless. I've been very demanding before. I, I get that part, but that's almost more like rage. I don't I don't see David like seemingly raging. I see him just being very clear. Like God, here's what I want and here's what I need. And it can be really uncomfortable to be so clear and demanding. Think about if you're married, being or with the partner you're with, how demand like if you were to be that demanding, do these things here. This is what I need. Because I'm so used to like asking versus demanding. God, please. I really need you here, please, Lord. It's almost like a begging, like I'm I'm going to convince you somehow by asking over and over again. But there's there seems to be very little asking here to me. It seems to just be more, this is what needs to happen, like demanding. And I was like, where else have I seen this in life? And then I thought, oh, my daughter. <laughs> like... So we've been cooped up in our home now, like all of you, for weeks. We're, we're, we're just now going to have to start using months. It's been so many weeks that we've been just sheltered in place. It's been so difficult. Uh, like, uh, as parents, you know, it's been like, okay, we would love a, in case Charlotte's watching, a B-R-E-A-K, right? Uh, so we would like that. Um, but uh, then the other day, I'm talking to Charlotte, and she looks at me, and she goes, I need a break from you. <laughs> like She's like, I need to get out of the house. And so we, we arranged for her to go to her, her Aunt Brittany's uh, to go spend some time this coming up week, which I think everybody's going to be better off for at the end of the day. But what I've noticed with her is, like, you know, she's good the, until she's not good. And uh, it's been a really difficult thing because I don't like it when people talk back. I just don't. And, um, and now I know what my mom had felt like with me. Like, Suzanne and I were talking, like, hey, this is like staring into you when we look at Charlotte. But um, she could be very demanding. <laughs> She's got this thing where she walks into a room and she'll just say out loud, she goes, I'm thirsty. Or she'll say, like, I'm hungry. And then she'll walk out of the room and I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> like, ask Come to me, child. Ask. And, and so I'll get frustrated by that sometimes and, and then, like, come back here. Like, come back here, you know. And, uh, and, and, and I'll even rage sometimes. Like, you need to have better manners and this and this and whatever else. And then it'll escalate and, and whatnot. And I'd just be better off just going to get her her food, go get her her drink. Here's my point. Children don't have a problem being demanding. Because children know that you as a parent are supposed to provide for them the things they're looking for. Now, the things they need may not be a new gaming system. I'm not saying that. But if they're very clear on like, here's what I need, kids get that. You know, when you look at the when when you consider the studies around even the brain and how it's wired. You know, you have this part in your back, the limbic, and the part in the front, the frontal lobe. And that these two are meant to communicate to each other, and that the very first thing children or babies are given. More than their frontal lobe is their limbic. They're, they're so developed in their feelings. They're so developed in their needs. And so it's easy to be demanding. And it can be emotionally taxing to be around a person who's demanding. At the same time, as a parent, I know it's my job to try to help meet those, those needs in her. Um, when she is demanding and saying that she needs those things. And as I was thinking about that and then applying it to even what I was seeing here with with, with David, I was like, man, um, that's how it's supposed to look, I think. Maybe not all the time, but how afraid are we to be demanding with God? God, I'm hungry. Give me food. God, I'm thirsty. Give me drink. <laughs> God, I lost my job. Give me a job. Like, I, I just wonder what that would be like. And I know it's very hard to want to do that with God, you know, again, when they kind of do child development studies, they'll, they'll, one of the things they've they've talked about for in studies is that that a child's brain has a very formed view of a higher power by the age of 12 of of how we would say God. So a child's view of God is pretty cemented by the age 12, and that doesn't mean they need to be taught theology. That's not it. It's that whatever their parents show them will then be how they interact and view God. So, for example, like if you grew up in a home where you were treated uh, with respect and dignity and whatnot, maybe you were able to voice your needs clearly. But, but maybe if you grew up in a home where like it was more strict and harsh um, maybe you grew up in a home where it was more passive or not attentive. Maybe if you grew up in a home that was more emotionally, emotionally manipulative, that there's almost a way then that you have cemented in your mind that you even take into your faith about, I guess this is what it's like to interact with God. And I think that um, that's important for us to consider. That maybe there's things psychologically, just from where we came from in life, that we bring in our relationship with God why we can't be so demanding. And I think it's important to be able to be demanding. David's willing to be demanding. And now that's a hard thing to say. I'm not saying be mean. I'm not saying be ugly. But I am saying like be clear and direct. And so if you were given room and voice with God to be able to state what you need, I wonder what that relationship with God would be like for us. So that's the first thing here. The second part I want to look at is the last part of of this passage, but I'm actually going to start in verse 12, because there's a build. Remember, David's running from Saul, and he's hiding out. His name is being sullied and marred and reputation in the gutter. Saul's kind of, um, Saul's the one in control here. And so David is crying out here, And he's saying to God, I am forgotten, verse 12, as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery, for I hear many whispering, terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. I love the observation I'll give here is I love David's ability to basically code switch. He goes from being demanding to being lamenting to being trusting. Like he's demanding and then he's really, he's really like lamenting and then he's able to trust. And I, I would say from my own personal experience when, when I can really be heard and not shamed and just get it out I find that that allows me to really get it out, whatever it may be, and really start trusting the process. It's no secret, and it's okay with me, for anybody else to know this. You know, several years ago, I found myself in treatment. And that's not if you're a pastor where you want to end up. And I'm grateful I got there before things got really, really bad. But it was bad enough in my life, in my personal, just private life, where I just found that there were just a lot of things out of kilter and not going well ways I'd want to hide out. And I remember when I got to where I, I got help, we would do these these check-ins every morning. Uh, they'd go about an hour or two where they'd put a feelings chart on the floor and we would just talk through feelings. And I remember the clinical director saying to me, um, Robin, just your check-ins for now, I just want you to, to distrust everything you see out loud. Which I had never been in a room like that before. Like, You're letting me distrust things out loud. You're letting me question things out loud. I won't be shamed for it. So like it was a field day for an unhealthy Enneagram 8. Like I just just went for it. And every time my check-ins were like, I don't trust you. I don't trust this. I don't want to be here. (laughs) Like that was it. And I found out that I could be that direct. And then people still show up with me. And not get away from me. And they're still willing to love me. I think what I like, what I connect to that, to this, is David's demanding, and God still gives David room to be then lamenting. And then David sees God's not going anywhere. And then it allows David to like lean into a deeper trust with God. When we can be demanding and then lamenting and get it all out, and then God doesn't go anywhere we can still sense God's presence, and we can still find little evidences along the way that God is near, that allows us to lean into a much deeper, robust relationship than we ever could have imagined. Because I love how he says here, my times are in your hand. My times are in your hands. Uh, in, the, in the Hebrew, when it says that, he's saying, my, I love this how they, they say it in English, is my especially now is in your hands. Like, how many of us need our especially now in God's hands? Like, we need to know that our especially now, like, not kind of now in general, um, not tomorrow, not yesterday, like, our especially now, we need it in your hands, God. And I don't think that kind of surrender to God and trust to be able to give Him that especially now, comes without the ability to let God know exactly what we need to be clear with it and then to be able to lament how life is not working. I think it's important that we get to complain. I think it's important we get to let it out. And I think God really wants that. That's what it seems to me. And you may have grown up in an atmosphere where that wasn't invited, where it would be like, ah, oh, you're being disrespectful to your parents if you do that, or your elders, or whoever else. But just as we see psychologically kids need room to be able to like let things out and what's going on there and then still have a safe atmosphere, so do we as adults. We need the space to be able to let things out and know this is a safe atmosphere that God's not going to get us because we're having to be so honest and direct. So what is the thing in your life right now that you've been holding back on trying to ask nicely but maybe you just need to be direct. Sometimes the theologies, the theologies we buy into can keep us from the relationship that needs to happen with God. You know, there's a, a there's different moments we see throughout the Old Testament where people like Abraham and and Moses are like negotiating with God. Negotiating. There's a moment when when Abraham's negotiating with God like if there's if there's, just five, if there's just ten righteous men, will you save the place? And God's like, yes. Well, if there's twenty, yes. What well, if there's thirty. And then at some point in time, like, like Abraham's satisfied. Like, it's important you get to talk and negotiate with God. And if you can't, why? What's in the way of that? It would be sad to me to know that even when Charlotte's not on her game, her polite A-game, that she feels like she can't come talk to me, that until she gets there, she can't be demanding, she can't get her needs met. And for a lot of us, we've learned very early on in life to not have our needs met and to take care of our needs ourselves, because we couldn't be that open and honest along the way. And those are the kind of things that are more harmful than helpful at the end of the day. And so there's some questions I've put out there on the adult track that if you wanna go and do that, you can. And that'll hopefully help in the process of just kind of thinking through all this. And um, Katie's put together a kids track, I think, a special um, Mother's Day. But I um, encourage you all that whatever your especially now is, what would it look like for you to be able to, to give that to God? To be that clear and demanding and lamenting to God. Because the story of the Bible also is that God sees us when we cry out. So. Love you, Christ City, and to all of those who joined us as well that aren't at Christ City. Hope you have a wonderful day. Moms, we love you. Happy Mother's Day. See y'all later. See y'all this week in our different IG stories or live things we do. Okay, bye.